Are you interested in making your own podcast? If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. It's free. They have creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and many more. You guys can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And in fact, I'm using Anchor and I love it. If you're interested, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey, everybody, this is Heidi St. John. Welcome to the Heidi St. John podcast. Today is Friday, March 20th. It's Meet My Friend Friday. And you guys are going to be so encouraged today because in the midst of one of the craziest times that I can ever remember, and in fact, I think most of us can ever remember, uh, I've got my friend, Dr. Jeff Myers on the show with me today. And we're going to talk about what it looks like for Christians to thrive in the midst of a culture in crisis. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. So thanks for tuning in today, everybody. A couple things I want to let you know about right away. Uh, I know a lot of you follow my speaking season. I just returned a couple of days ago from my women's conference, Faith That Speaks, in Los Angeles. And before that, I was with my friend, Dr. Kathy Cook, uh, in Peoria, Illinois, for the Hearts 2 conference. I know many of you follow my speaking schedule. The next several events that I'm going to be at or was scheduled to be at have been uh, canceled. And uh, the first one is uh, Teach Them Diligently in Arkansas. I will also be rescheduling my appearance at the Downline Institute in Little Rock, Arkansas, and also Teach Them Diligently in Waco. So if you guys have tickets for those events, uh, what I've been told right now is hang on to them. They're looking to see about rescheduling. But uh, due to the coronavirus, my speaking season has a very abruptly ended. Uh, one of the things that you can do uh, in the middle of all this is continue to find me at momstronginternational.com. We're doing a scripture writing challenge there. I know a lot of you have been doing that. What are we at? Like 15,000 of you now uh, doing the scripture writing challenge with me. That also has copy work for your children. So a lot of you are home right now and your kids are home with you. This is a great time to get them into the word of God. So check it out, momstronginternational.com. There's a free scripture writing challenge every day, scriptures that you can write out with your children, copy work for your children to practice their handwriting, and at the same time, uh, get to know and become familiar with God's word. So uh, the Bible study is continuing to happen over there, and you guys can join me, momstronginternational.com. And I will let you know, uh, as far as I know, my events are, most of you know I wasn't speaking in April because my daughter Savannah is going to have a baby. And so I'm doing the grandma thing. I'm staying home for April. And I will keep you posted on the May schedule. Every single weekend in May and June, I am scheduled to be on the road. And so uh, just stay tuned here and we'll let you know as the situation obviously is changing uh, by the minute. I know that many of you are seeing cancellations in your area for all kinds of things. Lots of events are moving online to meet the needs of people across the nation. Well, my friends at BJU Press have been planning an online event for some time now. And guess what, you guys? It's free. That's right. It's free to attend. The party is going to be held on April 20th through the 24th. 
And you're going to find experienced homeschool moms, BJU press staff, lots of prizes and fun giveaways. And because several of the homeschool conventions have been forced to cancel, they're also offering their convention specials during their Facebook Live event as well. I'm going to be speaking there along with my friend, Zan Tyler, and registration is easy. Go to homeschoolhelp.com forward slash Heidi for more information. So I am really, you guys, the Lord is so good. Uh, Thank you so much for listening to the show for so many years, uh, for helping the podcast become uh, the platform that it is. And I am thrilled today because I've followed the ministry of Dr. Jeff Myers and Summit Ministries for a very long time. I love his heart, particularly for young people, uh, to see young people equipped, God's children to be equipped to handle the culture. And we've had this podcast scheduled for a long time. Neither one of us knew, of course, that we'd be uh, podcasting in the midst of a pandemic, but we are. And I know that you're going to be encouraged. So grab your uh, your kids, your husband, your teenagers, especially uh, gather them around. They're not going to want to miss a second of this. Uh, Dr. Jeff Myers, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Heidi. Podcast number 900, I understand. That's right. Incredible. Yeah. It's kind wow. of a big deal. I'm going to have to talk to uh, my friend Ken Ham. He was number 800. So I've decided that the Lord has this when I hit the hundred marks. Uh, Really, people that are thought leaders and influencers seem to be the people that God that God brings. So I'm really happy that you're here. Yeah, or crises. You know, we just <laughs> right one right after you get the to other. One thousand. We should be wondering what's going to happen next. I know. I know. Jay said that to me this morning. He was like, "Maybe we should just hang it up. <laughs> Maybe we should uh, hang it up." You are. Uh, I'm really excited that you're here today. You're you're doing incredible things for the kingdom. And right before we started recording, you and I were talking about obviously, you know, the pandemic, what's happening there at Summit Ministries, because you guys are changing things on the fly right now, like so many of us are doing. What is it looking like at Summit Ministries right now? Well, you, you know, the heart of Summit Ministries is is equipping and supporting the rising generation to embrace God's truth and champion a biblical worldview. And for 58 years, we have done that through these two-week-long summer sessions here in Colorado and at various locations around the country and even around the world. For the very first time, it looks like we're going to, at least for the first half of our summer, go virtual. So wow, it's something wow. we are prepared to do. Our team is uh, this, you wouldn't, I mean, we have kind of an unusual team. They are amped about yeah. this because they're, they, yesterday when they were whiteboarding all of the ideas they have for how we're going to take biblical worldview training and make it personal and fun and exciting in a virtual environment. They had more than 100 ideas on their whiteboard Mm. of how this could be the very best summer of our lives. And I'm so proud of them because they're conquering fear and dread. And that's exactly the, the posture we need to have at this moment. Yeah, we were saying, uh, talking to our kids this morning, the ones that, you know, obviously still are living at home, and just reminding them that the Bible says that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. We don't need to be afraid. And yet, fear is kind of what's permeating the culture right now. I think largely because we are in a time in human history that is virtually unknown. Uh, that's right. None of us, nobody's ever faced this before. But every generation has something that it faces that nobody has ever faced before. 
Mm-hmm. So this is this is this could be our moment. This is our big test. Will we recoil in fear? Will we be overcome with dread? Or will we turn back and trust God for what he says in scripture? And then in turn uh bring that sense of calmness and joy to a culture that is absolutely irate right now mm. that life in the physical world isn't turning out to be all that great. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And I think parents in particular, uh Christian parents who have been who are trying to shepherd their children, uh they're they're walking through a season that they've never walked through before, and yet we know that the Bible doesn't change. The Bible has not changed. God's not up in heaven scratching his head wondering how in the world we got here. Uh he is the same that he has always been and we can go back to what we know to be true and i know that's a huge part of what you guys are doing at summit ministries and equipping this generation i want to talk there's so many things i want to cover with you today uh but i want to first start with a book project that you're working on because i actually think it lends itself to the conversation uh you've got a brand new book called unquestioned answers and can you let's give listeners just sort of a the premise why you wrote the book kind of what it's about and then I want to talk about a term that you've coined called simplicism which I'm sort of fascinated with. So let's start with uh the book Unquestioned Answers and sort of the premise for why you wrote the book and why do you think it's good for right now? Well, I think we live in a moment in history and we tell our students at Summit Ministries this all of the time. A lot of people have unanswered questions about their faith, but uncomfortably we also have unquestioned answers, things that we have come to believe that we haven't really thought through. And in moments of crisis, we're in a position of having to rethink what we believe, rediscover biblical truths, and and rid ourselves of the cliches that keep our thinking at a shallow level. And I, I think, Heidi, at this moment in history, it's so much more critical. Jesus yeah said, we have to be fishers of men. No one ever caught a fish by skimming the surface of the water. You have to be willing to go deeper. So mm-hmm. we have at, on, on one hand a, a simple, elegant gospel that Jesus has given us, but we have turned it into a cliche and our inability to go deep when people are ready to have deeper discussions now more than ever before uh, can be a liability and, and we can rid ourselves of it. So this book just takes on 10 Christian cliches. It's not a rant. I just say, here are the cliches. Here's why I think we should stop using them. And here's what we can do instead. Um, writing the so book. So give me an oh. example. So a cliche. So for people who are listening going, well, what are the 10? They're like, they're on the edge of their seat. Like, what are the 10? Uh, <laughs> give me one. What's one? All right. The very first one, uh, they're all going to make people frustrated. I can tell you. I love this. This is my favorite kind of conversation. Yeah. Well, they made me yeah. frustrated. I was frustrated <laughs> as I was writing it. I was thinking, I yeah. can't believe I've said this my whole life and now I'm going to have to go back and undo it. But yeah. um, uh, one example is God said it. I believe it. That settles that it settles for it. me. Yeah. People mm. always say it settles it for me. And if you want to know what the key is to understanding all of these cliches and what's wrong about them is that they always bring it back to me. It, that settles it for me. It's about me and Jesus. It's, it's all about me. And, and I remember a pastor saying this from, from the pulpit. He said, he, he said something very controversial. It's actually not, all that settled of a theological issue, but in his mind it was. And so he held up his Bible and said, if you have a problem with this, take it up with God. 
that, you know, God said it, I believe it, that settles it for me. And there were a lot of people who amen that in the congregation. But as a little kid, I thought, I don't, I'm not sure I can go there. I don't know why it seems so subtle for him when it doesn't for me. Mm-hmm. And Heidi, what happened is I just had to go back and look at what is the Bible? What is it? What is it that is, that is true about scripture? And it's not true because I like it or because it feels true for me. It's true because it's true. And in that, it can give me confidence, especially in tough times. So Jeff, when you when you are talking to parents in particular, because we grew up with these cliches, right? I mean, I grew up in the church. I could probably list, you know, at least 10, maybe even more. I was thinking about the button my grandparents gave me in the 70s that I found it. Do you remember that? I do. <laughs> I remember seeing that. Yeah, that's a historical yeah. artifact. You have to save that. I know, right? The blue I found it button. And I think what we've done is we've simplified, oversimplified it. And you've said something I think is really good. And I think it's important for parents to understand the fact that this generation of young people are not settling for these cliches is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Do you agree? I agree. It's a good thing. It, it Now, it can be uncomfortable. There are times yep. where I have to say, let me get back to you on that. But when I say, let me get back to you on that, it's an invitation to more conversation and what could possibly be bad about that. So the, and conversation is at the heart of it, right? The five conversation altering words that I teach everybody I come in contact with is tell me more about that. Yeah. Uh, I live in a little hippie town right at the foot of Pikes Peak in Colorado you're going to see more Buddhist prayer flags flying from front porches than you will see American flags. You will find people who are far, far to the left of Bernie Sanders and their political viewpoints. He looks like a conservative in my town. You know, yeah. so it, I'm in a place where virtually every day I'm having the opportunity to have conversations with people whose worldview is totally the opposite of mine. And what I'm finding is that a lot of people have unanswered questions and a lot of people also have unquestioned answers. I mean, I mean, some of the cars in our town are held together by bumper stickers, you know, hashtag (laughs) resist and all of that. (laughs) You're like in a little microcosm of Portland, Oregon, which I live just outside of Portland. We got a similar thing going on here. I think, I think we're a friendly, sunny little Portland. That's what it comes down to. Yeah, that's exactly right. But the truth is, when I start to get into conversations with people and I show myself to be present in the conversation, show myself to willing to listen, um, ask questions, engage, not have to drive toward the truth as if there's a time limit on this, mm. then people open wide. I can't tell. It's the strangest thing. I've actually had people, you know, uh, I'll go into a restaurant and all of a sudden we're talking about you know, life and death and spiritual issues. And the other person's looking at me like, I've heard you say that this happens to you, but I'm actually seeing it. How does this take place? And it's all just coming in with a sense of presence. Um, not what I, not what new agers mean by that. I'm just present in the conversation right. and I'm, I'm open and willing to discuss and share my heart with others and be vulnerable and to receive, um, uh, what other people have to say and to think about it in a very human fashion. You can't I think believe- that's important. Yeah. And I think people feel like, uh, because what you're doing really is just 
the gospel. I mean, you're just, you're just loving people the way that the Lord Jesus did. And I think we've, we've taken sides in the culture today to where we're afraid. We're afraid if I say what I really believe, or, or like you said, I got to go straight to the, you know, straight to the gospel. You know, if you don't know the Lord Jesus, you're going to hell. Well, that's not where you start. That's not where you start. When you get into a conversation with somebody in a coffee shop there, or if I do that here, at the, most of the time I'm on an airplane, uh, how do you start? I mean, are are you uh, asking questions? I mean, I'm assuming that's what you're doing, right? You're You're getting into conversations by just talking to people about their life, right? I think just talking about their life, but it's, I wish I could tell you how it happened. I find myself just as surprised by by it as anybody else. Two weeks ago, when we were, you know, still traveling to to speak, I stopped to have my shoes shined. They were looking pretty rough, and uh, the guy was shining my shoes. And he said, "What do you think about the coronavirus?" And we're talking, and he said, "Are you a doctor?" I said, "Well, I'm not the kind of doctor who can help you if you get sick, but I am the kind of doctor who can talk to you about the meaning of life." That's he cool. He looked at me very sincerely and said, well, what is the meaning of life? Now, see, you got to, you got to, I got to say though, the uh, venerable Dr. Jeff, uh, not everyone can say that. <laughs> so I can't say, well, I'm the kind of doctor that can talk to you about life. I could say, well, I'm, I've had seven kids and I know a couple of things about uh, viruses. <laughs> I think, <laughs> so, you know, like how do you, how does some, how does an ordinary, an ordinary person like me step into that conversation and be vulnerable because I think we're afraid. I think we're afraid we're going to step into it and then we're going to look foolish or we're going to say something we didn't mean. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, like my, my son was playing soccer and I sat down on the grass next to some other parents and there was a mom there who is a very deeply committed, what I call a new spiritualist, a new ager. And she's telling me all about the meditation techniques that she's learning and she's very excited about them. And I just keep listening as we're watching mm. our kids play soccer. And every time she says something, I say, Ooh, interesting. Tell me more about that. You know, I'm curious how that works and how do you see this and how do you see that? Uh, but after about 10 minutes, because she's also a person, she stops yeah. and says, how do you see all of this? Yeah. And that was my opening. I said, well, you know, I have a strong sense that God is not a force, but is a person. And she said, in the most innocent possible way, she said, really? Why do you say that? And that's the opening to share the gospel. So I told her about Jesus. I said, this is how God, uh, you know, that God is a person. We just went through it. It reveals himself in the person of Jesus Christ. Well, she's listening very carefully. My answers are not terribly long. And uh, she says, well, if God is a person, do you, do you talk to him? I said, Actually, that's so cool. I do. I talk to God through prayer. But then Heidi, when that conversation was taking place, I was at a really low point in my life and going through a very difficult circumstance. And so I just, I could feel my voice choke up because I'm, I'm the guy who just puts it all out there, right? I'm not going to yeah. hide it from you. And I said, but you know, that's how it's supposed to work in theory. But right now I just, I don't really feel that God is hearing me. Mm. And, and it was just this pause during which you could not script this. Another lady came and sat down right in between the two of us. And uh, we looked at her and realized she'd been crying. And, and the other lady said, well, what's, what's happening? She said, I don't really want to talk about it. She had some very bad news for my family, and but I don't really want to talk about it right now. 
And this lady, the, the new ager I'd been talking to, put her hand on the shoulder of the newcomer and said, it's going to be okay. Jeff will pray for you. Oh, my goodness. And I looked at her and she, and she just looked at me and winked and said, and he's very good at that. Oh, and you, wow. You know, can, no. could you, you can't make that kind of thing happen. All you can do is prepare yourself, be present. Be available. And be available. Um, I do sometimes spark it a little bit. Hey, I like to think about spiritual things. Is that weird? Or, is it, or mm-hmm. you know, do you ever think about spiritual th- things? Do you, do you think of yourself as a spiritual person? What does that mean to you? I think mm-hmm. in the times of the coronavirus, I think this is going to be so easy. You won't even believe it. It's just yeah. saying to somebody, how are you personally doing? How are you handling this? I know it's a lot of stress. Look, I'm a person who prays. You may not think a lot about that, but I'd like to be able to pray for you. Would that be okay? And if the person, very few people, almost nobody ever says, no, no, I'm not really comfortable with that. Yeah. I had that happen one time in a restaurant with a server. By the way, most servers in restaurants love to be prayed for. Uh, so you're going to go get some food. You're going to do it takeout now, right? Right, right. You're now you're now your person comes out and just ask, "How are you doing personally?" Bring along an extra ten dollar bill in addition to your regular tip, and say, "Can you just give me one or two things? Tell me your name and one or two things that I can pray for you about." Mm. And this is so easy in a time of fear and uncertainty and dread. Uh, people are open, open, open spiritually. Yeah. I think that's true. And I honestly, we've got, we're living in a time right now where we've got people on the internet and social media has made us so unsocial. We don't know how to talk to people. And I like to tell parents, listen, uh, if you know the Lord Jesus as your savior, you have the hope of heaven inside you, what the entire world is looking for. And just to, I love, uh, Jeff, the gentleness in which you approach people. I love the idea of just saying, how are you doing putting yourself out there to be someone who ministers hope and encouragement? I, a couple of years ago, I was on an airplane and uh, sat down. I think I was flying by myself, which I don't normally do, but I sat down next to a young couple and I noticed, I mean, within 20 minutes of the flight, something was terribly wrong. And the the wife was sitting kind of with her face to the window and I had an aisle seat and her husband was in the middle of us. And I said, I'm so sorry. I can't help but notice are you okay? And he said, no, you know, they had just found out that her father had been killed in an accident. And so I said, I said, I don't know how you feel about prayer, but I am a person who believes that God is with us when we're suffering and I have walked through suffering. Could I pray for you? And he held his, his wife's hand. He said, you know, we don't believe in God, but we sure need help. And so he held his wife's hand and I prayed for them. And when the prayer was over, they began to tell me about a 10-year struggle they'd had with infertility. Want to know if I'd pray about that? And I think uh, we don't realize, uh, because we're, we're, the culture has told us we're enemies, right? Everyone's our enemy. Mm-hmm. And, so, and, the, and true, some people are, right, adversarial in nature. But I think most people, they, they really do genuinely need and want to hear about the hope of heaven and the hope that we have as Christians. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so what if they are uh, antagonistic? That's the beauty of living in a town like mine is that when everybody totally disagrees with you and their worldview, uh, then you just have to live the gospel. You can't just go back and rely on snappy little responses and things like that. And, you know, the other yeah. day I went over to the grocery store 
and <clears throat> I bought a bunch of gift cards, 10 bucks, you know, and I thought, okay, Lord, who should I give them to? And I saw one man, the store probably didn't like me doing this inside the store, but an elderly man <laughs> in a tattered coat shuffled by. He had his little cart filled with some snacks and some cat food. And, you know, you could see right away, he cares about his cat and he's trying to find, you know, he's finding his favorite snacks, kind of comfort mm. food, right? And so I approached him, my heart was pounding. I said, sir, I'd like to bless you by giving you a gift card. And he just said, oh no, that's fine. I have everything I need. I said, well, I've already paid for it. It's free. It could help you pay for your groceries. He said, it's free. You're just giving it to me. Mm. I said, yes, sir. He said, oh, thank you so much. I've seen this happen on television, but I didn't know it happened oh. in real life. <laughs> you have just made my day. I said, no, sir, you just made mine. Oh, It's you know, I, I went for a run yesterday. I saw several of our neighbors out, stopped, talked to them. I waved and smiled at every car that went by. You know, there were ni 19 cars that went by and uh, 17 of them waved back and smiled. One of them honked and waved real big. Mm. You know, it's just, this is our time where we can really connect with people. Yeah. Hey, I'm not going to be overcome with fear. I'm going to be a person of courage. There's a lot of scary stuff happening. The new normal isn't normal, mm -hmm. but that yeah. doesn't change the truth of God's word. No. And you talk about something in your book that you call simplicism. And, and when we were talking about before the show, before we recorded the show, I, I love the idea behind what you're saying, because I think it helps us to share and live out the gospel in a way that people can understand on a core level. So what do you mean? Because uh, you've coined this term simplicism. And how is it different? Because I know people are going, oh, that's simplicity. Like let's Marie Kondo everything. But that's not what you're saying. What do you mean? Oh, well, Marie Kondo has turned simplicity into a virtue. It's the, yes. the virtue of living an uncluttered <laughs> life. Um, I'm uncluttering, but I'll, I'll always have books. And so I'll always be cluttered. I just think that's going to be. <laughs> yep. Yep. All the books. Yeah. What what touches you spiritually, I think, is one of her things. And not clothes. I'll throw out all my clothes, but the books, those yeah. are. <laughs> yeah, the books are staying. Yeah, the books are going to stay. Step around the books. Step over the books. The books are staying. Yeah. So simplicism <laughs> is different than simplicity. It's not the, the simplicity is the virtue of living an uncomplicated life. Simplicism is a conviction that something isn't really true unless it's easy to understand and summarize. So. There aren't, so nothing is complicated in the world of ideas. We can summarize things with a cliche, with a bumper sticker, and that's all the deeper we need to go. That's simplicism. So I think I coined that term, but you know, I think you in did. the age of Google, there might be 10,000 hits. Right, right, right. I don't know. <laughs> well, we can just trademark it right here. Right, so okay, if anyone, let's do it. Yeah, so now it's official. There you go. So let's talk about this for just a second, because I think it it definitely goes into what's happening with the coronavirus, right? And what's yeah. happening with Christians in the culture right now. How can they take this term and have it be something that, that they can be looking out for and have it be turning into a blessing in the midst of the struggle that we're facing right mm -hmm. now? Well, let me give an example of another one of the unquestioned answers from the book that, um, and there are several of these, and I'm trying to flip through and realize which one of these is not going to make people mad on the podcast. And uh, you know, so you've never are, been on my so. podcast before, but everybody that listens to this is used to that. Okay. We're used, right. to, we're used to it. Uh, Cause I like I talk, I routinely talk about politics here. I routinely talk about education. So they're used to it. So go ahead and make them mad. They can handle it. Okay. Okay. So here, here's an, here is an example. 
One of the things you often hear Christians say is love the sinner, hate the sin. Ooh. Love the sinner, hate the sin. I like that. What's wrong with it? Well, God loves sinners and God hates sin, right? So what could possibly be wrong with it? Here's the issue with it. Well, a, a couple of things. First, when we say it, if you think back when you've said it, when I think back on when I have said it, the context is always when I think that the other person's sin is worse for them than mine oh. is for me. Ouch. Which means I stop understanding the nature of sin. The proper posture of every human being in the face of sin is as if we have tumbled headlong over a cliff only to find ourselves firmly in the saving grasp of the only one who could save us. So I'm learning that when I say, if I were to say to somebody, I love you, but I hate your sin. And by the way, the conversation almost always in the, is in the context of same-sex attraction. Yep. If I say, I love you, but I hate your sin, the only thing the person hears is what comes after but. And remember that people today, they think of what we, what we would think of as sin, they think of as their identity. Yes. This is who I am. So you just said you hated them. I, I, ju I just said, I hate you. I love you. Mm. I hate you. Mm -hmm. So it, le it causes people to seize up in confusion. Um, a better, this is how we teach our students at Summit Ministries to do this. Be curious. Ask, don't tell. Lead with questions. So when I meet someone who's involved in something, say, hey, I want to know your story a little bit. Tell me about you. And then tell me more about that. How do you see that? How did you arrive mm. at that conclusion? Um, you know what? People will say to me very often, I could never believe in a God who would allow evil. And, and people's frustration is going to be manifest, right? In times where everybody's stuck at home and nobody's sure what's mm. going to happen next. And my 401k is shot and mm. all of that. Hey, look, if God was really powerful, wouldn't he stop all this bad stuff from, from happening? And, and my, you know, in my heart, I want to just say, oh, well, let me give you the three reasons why your perspective on this is wrong. But what I do and you know, what I teach students to do is back off and say, oh, wow, it sounds like that question comes from a pretty deep place. You know, how did you get there? What did something mm -hmm. happen to you that really disappointed you? You know, why is that disappointing to you? And we dig in a little bit before I get to giving the answers. Now, the Unquestioned Answers book is 200 some pages long because you don't just leave it at the question. That's right. You want to be able to say, okay, here's what to do next. Here's the step one, step two, step three. But first you lead with the, those questions. Mm, I love it. And really you're highlighting the importance of relationship. And that's the other thing I feel like social media has really hurt us because we're, lo you know, I've watched Christians lob Bible verses at each other over the, over the internet, the wall of the internet, you know, let me hit you with my Bible upside your head. And we wonder why we're not making headway. And I think it's because we've forgotten the preciousness of other people, mm -hmm. the preciousness of the relationship that the, that other person is in and honoring their emotion. 
right? And so uh, I love that you're encouraging, especially young people, how do we engage in the culture right now? It's so important. And I want to, I'm going to pivot just a little bit because now the main thing we're talking about, right? It has, it's, I mean, even here at the podcast, I'm constantly talking about the culture and political things and same-sex attraction. I've had wonderful guests on the show who have been uh, at the forefront of helping a Christian define an apologetic that's going to be both loving and truthful. But I would say the bigger conversation we're having in this moment is dealing with a culture in crisis, like for real. So the coronavirus has uh, really thrust us into a season that none of us have ever been in before. I looked at the news this morning, what the uh, the Dow had plunged like 20,000 points. Uh, it's uh, it's kind of crazy town here in Vancouver. It's a little bit of a ghost town. They've shut down the restaurants and the barbershops. And if it's not in a, what they're calling an essential they're asking people to stay home and it's eliciting a fear that I've never seen before. I mean, I've seen fear about all kinds of things, but this is a whole new level. And so how, what does it look like, uh, Jeff, to be a Christian right now in a culture of fear? How can, how can uh, our being filled with the Holy Spirit actually give us an opportunity to share with those around us right now, especially when they're telling us, uh, stay home, you know, social distancing, all the things. Yes. Right. Right. Well, I want to make it worse before it gets better. I I think fear is a correct uh, word. It's a strong emotion that surfaces when we become aware of a potential danger, but we are moving very quickly from fear to dread. Yes. Dread is fear on steroids. It is an extreme uneasiness in the face of pain and evil and uncertainty. And both fear and dread are mobsters that force us to empty our emotional bank account under the threat of impending doom. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, and it's worse. And it moves us to panic, right? That's, that's where the panic comes from. Uh, I think panic start, panic is the reaction. It's trying to restore balance to our lives. Uh, and, and people, you know, that's why the panic has been so weird. Like people go to the store and buy, you know, toilet paper. Yeah. 10 and, cases and it, of toilet paper. They've yeah. got 10 cases of toilet paper uh, be, because you, panic is that react, that in natural human reaction to try to restore Control. balance. So yeah. fear and dread are the emotions we feel. Panic is the, is the response. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's worse for kids. Um, and we, we, I think one thing everybody listening right now has to realize that this is, these events like this can be traumatic for kids and unresolved trauma in childhood can maim people for life. I'm not trying to be negative about this. I just want to set up the biblical response for the true power that it really has. Um, and, and the research is also showing us that high quality caregiving through nurturing relationships is the thing that can restabilize children. Not only does it restabilize them spiritually and emotionally, but it can actually affect the structure of their brains. Um, so I'm going to recommend, in fact, we're, we've got a special report I'm, we're uh, going to release today. Uh, and it's, it's on 10 steps to triumphing over fear and dread. And it includes 50 little scripture verse cards that you can use to start memorizing. Okay. The memory is going to be really important. It has powerful benefits psychologically, intellectually. Memorization tells our brain what to focus on. It frees up our mental capacity uh, to stay trained on what's most important. 
It improves our overall memory. I mean, we need to remember things right now. The ability to focus is extremely important. And it also makes us more creative. So I think it's we're going to be turning back to that. And, and these 50 verses are all deep things that go right into your heart about what God says about our fear and what he says about his power. So anyway, that's all by way of the background, Heidi. Yeah. But but to get to your to get to your question, I th- I think this is our time to declare and stand with the rising generation, especially with our with our kids, we will not live in fear. Mm-hmm. Psalm 56:3, when I am afraid, I will put my trust, trust in, in you. Yes. The Bible does not tell us to run and hide. It does not. It tells us to engage, not escape. Fear can paralyze us. We are called to be a blessing to others. That's Galatians 3. Fear hoards, but we share. That's Ephesians 4.28. Fear curses its bad fortune, but we wisely try to understand the times. 1 Chronicles 12.32. Fear resigns itself to fate, but we are to be giving the reason for the hope that we have, 1 Peter 3.15. So it's crucial to live with courage than anxiety, even though anxiety might be the natural response, and then to begin pulling our children close and enabling them to do that same thing. It's so powerful. And I, I can feel, I'm so glad that you're here, uh, Jeff, for such a time as this, because I can literally feel the shackles come off, Mm. you know, parents who are sitting at home and they're afraid and, and they're right to point out that we've never been here before. We don't know, we don't know what's coming. It it seems like it changes uh, daily. I mean, by the time this podcast airs on Friday, we could have a different scenario playing out, but it doesn't change the truth of the word. And I'm always telling parents, you can't pass on what you don't possess. Yeah. And so if we want our children to come through this, I love that you said uh, the things that happen in childhood, they really can scar you for life. It's true. I'm living proof of that, having grown up in an abusive home. And I think helping our kids come through this with an emotional health and a spiritual health, uh, that really does sit and rest squarely on parents to say, know the word of God, be in God's word, direct your children back to the Prince of Peace. You know, we think of peace as an emotion, but the Bible says peace is a fruit of the spirit. And that comes as we walk in right relationship uh, with the Lord. When you look at, at parents who are dealing with something that we've never dealt with before, and you're looking at a generation, I'm thinking of the 10-year-old right now. He's going to come out of this in a couple of years, and they're, they're going to be the teenagers who are then going to be the adults. Uh, and you talk about scripture memorization. I think I want to uh, camp on it for just a second, because you're going to be sending these things out in an email, which mm-hmm. we're going to talk about. Yes. But um, how can you get your 10-year-old and your 13-year-old, and maybe you're like me, I told you why I... I uh, I measure my life in pregnancies, <laughs> like, you mm-hmm. know, like mm-hmm. how many children do we have in different ages? Uh, talk to the parents who are like, man, I'd really like to start memorizing scripture, but I've never done it before. Where's a good place? How can we kind of get into this rhythm of uh, learning to memorize God's word? Hmm. Well, I'm, I'm yeah, trying to learn how to teach it all right now. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Um, I, and it's good, uh, right? Because we're doing it really in real time. A lot of us, you know, we, we go to church. We can't even go to church now, right? The churches have been, I don't know what, have they done that there yet, but they've done it here. 
the churches are closed. The churches are closed. So you're doing virtual worship services and all of that. So we're going to learn to do a lot of things at home that we would mm-hmm. typically gather together with other people to do. And, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully that will be short term, but we yeah. really have no no sense of it. We're, we're not, I don't think we're to be the sort of people who say, well, maybe two weeks from now, it'll be different. Maybe, maybe yep. three weeks from now, it'll be different. We look at the new normal uh, and, mm-hmm. and ask, how do we make the most of this? If we're not, you know, the, the author of Hebrews says, we are not of those who shrink back. Well, this is our time to press forward. So how do we press into things? So for example, you might say, to your child, you know, when, when in times that are really, really important, people buckle down and memorize the things that are most significant during the time of the, you know, early a part of America, that people would memorize the Declaration of Independence or key parts of it, not because they, they hadn't ever read it before, but because they didn't just want it on a piece of paper somewhere on the desk, they wanted it in their hearts so that they could call up that courage that came from it. I had such a weird dream the other night. Aliens landed in my dream. And they came to the door and I started talking to them and they said, can we come in? And I said, absolutely not. And they said, well, we, ha- we have to. I said, haven't you ever heard of the United States Constitution? And I started, this is all in my dream. In the recesses of your mind, you're not quoting the Constitution? Right, yes, yeah, so I'm quoting the Constitution to them in my, in my That's awesome. In my dream. But, you know, if I didn't have those things in my heart, I wouldn't be able to draw them out at the proper moment. And it it is a moment by moment, right? If God is really present as he says he is, then there isn't any moment of our lives where he's not present with us. So any, any time, any moment where anxiety begins to take hold is a moment where um, we are forgetting the presence of God. It's not that he's mm. not present. It's just that we're forgetting it. So how do we remind ourselves of it? Um, David said in Psalm 119, I love your law. I think about it day and night. Mm. And that is that is the idea. So I, I don't know, the 10 things, 10 points I'm working on, I wanted to make 10 things that can help conquer fear and dread. So I, I mean, this is all still coming together, but the first yeah. one is you, you, Say to your 10-year-old, the world can come apart at the seams for all I care. We stay focused on God as our source of strength. Mm. Our source of strength is never, never in whether we can get out of the house and drive our car. Our source of strength is never in our, our ability to secure our retirement. Our, our source of strength is never and whether our school is open or closed, our mm-hmm. source of strength is in God. Just listening to you say it, it it's uh, it's peace. It's this peace that comes over us. Oh, we don't need to panic. Oh, we don't need to live in dread uh, because we have we have access to the Prince of Peace. Mm. I love that. Yeah, I, I think the second thing is to, is to say now what we have to decide if. If God's strength is our source of our strength, then what do we do differently? And I think we commit to press on in God's strength. You know, scripture talks about this a lot. It talks about life as a race, that we press on in the midst of our 
difficulties. And I remember Elizabeth Elliot saying many years ago, if you're not sure what to do, just do the next thing. Yes. Don't, don't try to make a down payment on a debt that you may never owe. <laughs> you know, that's mm-hmm. what anxiety does to us, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We, have, we have to be wise. We have to be discerning. The long term is important, but right now, just do the next thing. And I, I think that's the idea of pressing on. You know, in my little town in Manitou Springs, there are a lot of people who are runners. They're crazy hippies. I mean, run up and down. I know. All right. You've seen them. And so I I hang out with these people. And well, to be honest, I'm one of these people. And (laughs) I remember I was training for the Pikes Peak Marathon, which is this ridiculous race where we run from the town, 6,400 feet above sea level, Manitou Springs. So the Up top to where normal people feet. can't breathe. Uh, oh yeah. yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. So the tired yeah. you get, the less oxygen you have to replenish you. It's, so of course, naturally, why wouldn't we run to Pike's Peak? Of course. Yeah. And, and as I'm talking about it, I realize this doesn't even, I put it into words and it, it's, a, <laughs> it's as absurd as it's. <laughs> you know, in Portland, they're doing the naked bike ride. I think that on some level, it's sort of the same thing, just a different kind of crazy. Uh, it's, a, it's a little different kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah. We, <laughs> we, we won't claim all of the Portland crazies. Don't, here. Yeah, don't. Yeah, run for your life. But I was up, I was training, training, training. And then on the day of the race, I start running up the mountain, which I had done <laughs> dozens of times. And my mind is like, you know what? Lots of people have already quit. You can tell they're just walking. They ran through town when everybody was watching. Now they're walking. Right. You could walk too. You could walk. This is really hard. And I, I literally said to myself, I said, stop it. Stop it. We mm. can run this. We have done it dozens of times. We're going to keep going. And it was as if somehow physiologically my body adjusted to account for that preparation and that new mental state. So I, God has designed us in such a way that when we, when we will just stop that, the sense of worry and focus in on the next thing, that we have the ability in his light to take that, that next step. Hmm. Well, and it's, that is comforting uh, in and of itself. You know, I just, it's, it's knowing we don't have to have all the answers for, for tomorrow or for next week or for the next announcement that comes from the White House or from your city government or whatever it is. We just need to do the thing, the thing that's in front of us and stay uh, prayerful about how the Lord would have us respond. I think it's so powerful. Uh, before we go today, I really want to, I want people to be able to find you. Mm. Uh, I think you're going to come up with a new title. You might be like America's doctor after this. I, I feel comforted just having talked to you. Oh, uh, and I wonder, so people can find you at summit.org. I know for sure, because the camps that you guys do, which I'm a huge fan of, uh, obviously a lot of them not happening right now because of the virus, but you said you're moving these things to an to an online format. If parents are, is this for teenagers, right? That's right. Yeah. These will be for students who are age 16 to 20, 16 to 25, because okay. we're accounting for the fact that growing up is not the same as it used to be. Right. But these, these programs will, for the first part of the summer, they'll be virtual and then we'll see where it goes for the rest of the summer. But it, these programs will be two weeks long they will bring together the top Christian thought leaders in the United States of America. 
with young adults in a very personal kind of format where you can ask questions and they will answer them and they will talk with you and we will be together even if we're all in our houses, even if we have a pajama day, you know? Right, right. It's <laughs> this be- is the introvert's dream come true. Oh, like every introvert in the United States right now is like, finally. <laughs> it's going to be so fun. There will be, if you have questions, there'll be people who are waiting to uh, dialogue with you about your questions, people waiting to talk to you on the phone. We're going to be able to have s- small groups and all of these kinds of things. But the the whole point of it is we need more than ever young adults in this country and not just, you know, not just a few, but massive numbers to embrace God's truth and to champion a biblical worldview, which means they take it to college with them and they have it in their psychology class just as much as they have it in their residence hall. They take it into the workplace with them. Our graduates are in the military. They are in business. They are in medicine. They're in science. They're in every imaginable area of life, taking that biblical worldview with them everywhere they go. So we kind of have, we kind of have a choice. And do we back away right now or do we say, well, no, this is the time. Just like Esther, we have come to a royal position for such a time as this. And we will double down and and doing what God tells us to do. I love that. And they can find you at summit.org and they can find the information they need right about these uh, summer camps. And even though they're happening virtually, I just want people to hear it again they are going to continue. They're just going to happen virtually. And I think uh, God's going to do an amazing thing. I actually think you guys could see more students than you've ever seen before. Uh, And I hope, I certainly hope that's the case. Well, we're already starting to see that because see sports camps are not happening. Mission trips are not happening. All of the, you know, we're, we're moving. We, we, we actually sell out every summer. Uh, We can have 180 students each session for time seven. And that's it. That was our total, that was our total crowd. Well, virtually now we can have lots more and we have, we actually have hundreds of small group leaders who are prepared to invest personally in, in the lives of, of young adults. So we think this is, this could be really, really an incredible moment. And there's more about the book too, Unquestioned Answers book at summit.org. And, you know, just throw this out there as a possibility. I listen to a lot of audiobooks. The audiobook reader for Unquestioned Answers is Michael Beck. He's the guy who reads John Grisham's books. That's not bad. And, That's uh, not bad. His voice is so fascinating, compelling. You know, consider consider getting the audio book. It's just the book is lots of stories and examples and things like that that you could just listen to with your family. And uh, if you're looking for activities that don't involve playing video games, this could be one of them. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And is, is the book out right now? The book is out right now. Yeah, just came out. So you can get it at Amazon. They've got a big stockpile of them so they can send them out. The audiobook, of course, you can get anytime, Kindle, whatever, wherever you buy, wherever you buy books is where you I can get it. unquestioned answers. And then you're, you're doing something new every Saturday morning. You're going to be, uh, people can subscribe and they'll get an email and yeah. uh, tell listeners really quickly what you're talking about doing. Yeah, this is called the Summit Starting Point. So it's, 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 it's a straightforward little, uh, it's, it's an email that you can read in 15 seconds and act on in minutes to encourage the rising generation and grow in your own faith. So it has a conversation spark, a question that you can use to connect with those in the rising generation, especially your kids. Second, a heart prayer for growing your relationship with others. Third, a shareable verse 
that you can use to encourage yourself and others. And then fourth is a helpful resource that Summit Ministries can provide for free, a video clip or a little article, something like that, that relates to the topic at hand. So it's very simple. You know, we need simple things right now. We don't want to be, we don't want to get involved in simplicism, but we do want to have uncomplicated emails coming in, right? I love that. Read it in 15 seconds, act on it within minutes, and uh, it'll come out every Saturday morning. Yeah, that's a starting point. That's awesome. And so I'm going to, for those of you who are listening, uh, and you know what, this is funny, Jeff, you're going to think it's funny, but try not to laugh too hard. So I travel for a living. I speak all over the nation and everywhere I go, women come up to me and say, oh my goodness, I listened to you in the shower. You know how many people are listening to this in the shower right now? There's a lot. All right. So there's a lot. So those of you who are listening to the shower, don't freak out because I'm going to put all this information in the show notes today. So uh, finish rinsing your hair and all this information will be here and you can uh, you can download all the information you need to know. We'll link back to summit.org. You can find out how to sign up for the email that Jeff is going to be sending out every Saturday morning. And then uh, Jeff, you and I were talking briefly about a declaration about not living in fear. Uh, yeah. Are you, can you talk to us about that for just a minute? Yeah, we'll be sending this out to everybody we can find an email address for who's a person of faith in the United States of America, probably even around the world. But it's just going to be very simple. It's a declaration to stand with the rising generation and say, we will not live in fear. We will not I love live it. in fear. That is at the heart of it. It's, you know, declarations like that. It, I don't, I don't know. I, some people would say, well, that's just kind of a gimmick, but it's not. When you declare something to be true and you begin to align your thoughts with God's truth, then the presence of the Holy Spirit begins changing you. That's right. And we become people who, instead of running and hiding, running away from the situation, we become the people who run toward it. And I will tell you, Heidi, I'm a, among other things, I am a student of Christian history. The times where the church grew the most were times of crisis when believers ran toward it rather than away from it. Hmm. It's true. It's so powerful. Uh, Dr. Jeff Myers, it's been an absolute joy to have you here today. I think you've brought a lot of calm and uh, just a peace to listeners who are just watching a changing a changing world rapidly changing around them. And so I really appreciate you coming on and I hope uh, we can talk again soon. Mm, I'm looking forward to it, Heidi. Thank you so much for your work and congratulations on episode 900. <laughs> Thank you. I love it. I don't know. I might I might just stop with this one or maybe we should just hang it up and go home. <laughs> We're going to hey, press on, remember? That's right. Oh, that's right. I'm going to go back. I'll get my notes out again. We're going to press on. Yeah. You guys, I know you've been blessed by listening to Dr. Jeff Myers. For more information on uh, Dr. Myers and what he is doing for the rising generation, you can find out all about his ministry at summit.org. I will link back to these things in the show notes today. And as always, I just want to remind you that you are who God says you are. God said in his word that he has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Stay faithful, everybody. And I'll see you back here, Lord willing, on Monday. For more encouragement, visit me online at thebusymom.com.